What's going on, sports fans, bettors, and cappers, and welcome to the Daily Competitive Hedge Podcast. I'm your host of the show, Kenneth Cotterell, and this morning's show is all about sports and the world of betting. We talk about the day that was in the sports world, including our athlete of the day. We then talk about the games coming up, what bets we like today, including our competitive hedge parlay of the day. And we're going to cap it off today with some NHL talk with a good friend of the show, Brett Dunkel. He's been on before. Super excited to have him on to talk some NHL playoffs. But our episode today is brought to you by our sponsor, Bet99. For all our Canadian listeners, Bet99 offers you a sports welcome offer when you join today using the promo code SHOOTERS. Bet99 will match your deposit 100% up to $600. So head over to Bet99 today. Use the bets from the show. We had a couple of cold days there, and that's why we took a little bit of a break. I think it's healthy sometimes just to recharge a bit, you know, reevaluate where you're at with your bets. And so uh, having some stuff going on in the personal life, I decided needed a couple days off just to recharge. And I'm back today with a loaded slate with plenty of bets to talk about and super excited for today's show. So our athlete of the day shout out has to go to Jimmy Butler after his performance last night in game six. I mean, it was special. 47 points for Butler. He was 16 of 29 from the field last night. He was perfect from the free throw line, 11 of 11. He had nine rebounds, eight assists. He did it on the defensive side too. He had four steals and a block. And, you know, we saw Jason Tatum do this to the Bucks last series. He had 46 in game six of that series. But Butler did it to the Celtics this time. What's even more special about this performance is how good that Boston defense is. All we hear talked about is how good this Celtics defense is, and he delivered in a big way. And, you know, I still don't believe that Jimmy Butler is a superstar. I think he has superstar moments. I'm not going to say that he's a superstar player, but he's had multiple moments of superstardom in this playoff run. And so he rightfully so deserves our athlete shout out of the day. Now, we don't have last night's bets to talk about. We did put one out on our Twitter account last night. It was St. Louis Blues first period money line at plus 210. We cashed that one. A couple days before that didn't go as planned, but we're looking forward. We're looking towards the future when it comes to bets here at the Competitive Hedge podcast. So with that, let's talk about the day that was recap with that Miami and Boston game. Miami coming in, they were eight and a half point underdogs. They win by eight. They went out right at 111 to 103. If you had the over, 203 and a half as well, then you would have cashed that. I was talking about it with some other buddies of mine. I played it personally, didn't put it out on the Twitter account, but the same game parlay of Miami Heat money line plus over 203 and a half, that one cashed at plus 700. You would have found those odds over at Bet99. One of the great features that they have over there is the same game. You can pick the money line plus the over under, or you can take the spread plus the over under. 
to get some additional value there. But let's talk about this game. 111 to 103. Butler was special. Kyle Lowry had a good night from a distributing standpoint. He finished with 18 points and 10 assists. He was just 5 of 14 from the field, so nothing special shooting-wise. But he got other guys involved. He got Max Struess 13 points, P.J. Tucker at 11, Oladipo contributed 9. Bam Adebayo is still struggling to contribute offensively in this series while he has played some solid defense he finishes with just six points and nine rebounds jimmy's going to need more help from him at home for game seven if they're going to advance in this series and then on the boston side of things jason tatum had a good game i mean he was 39 and four yesterday uh solid shooting numbers as well i don't love the seven turnovers that he had but that's not the reason why they lost this basketball game Derek White off the bench had 22 points, five assists. You had Jalen Brown was 26 and five. You expect that from him pretty consistently. He also had four turnovers though. That's what it boiled down to for me was they didn't take care of the basketball. They were sloppy down the stretch. So Tatum's not to blame for this loss. He could have not turned it over, but Al Horford also could have not gone one for eight from the field. Marcus Smart could have been not four for 15 from the field. Grant Williams had just two points in over 20 minutes played. Robert Williams had just one rebound. So it's a collective team failure here not to get it done at home. They won the road game five. A lot of people felt like they were coming back to win game six at home. I wasn't fully sold on it. It's why I sprinkled both the spread and money line for Miami. Now, I do think they're going to win game seven, but that's because Butler had to be this special just to win by eight points, despite all the deficiencies that Boston showed. If they get Tyler Hero back, I feel a little bit better. It gives them another shot creator. They're really leaning on Butler right now, but that's how I feel about this series. When we're talking about the NHL playoffs last night, another series comes to an end, another second-round playoff series with the Colorado Avalanche winning 3-2 to versus St. Louis. They came in minus 165. Uh, St. Louis were heavy underdogs, but the under would have also hit at 6.5. This is my concern with Colorado moving forward is Darcy Kemper. He only had to make 18 saves in this game, but he wasn't anything special. You know, they got two goals from Kemper and then they got one from Helm very late in the game. This one looked like it was heading to overtime and then the series ends in six. On the St. Louis side, they had two goals. Huso made 36 saves, the backup for St. Louis. He played well in his time having to take over for Bennington. They got goals from Justin Falk and Jordan Cairo, but nonetheless, St. Louis heads home. Colorado moves on to take on the Edmonton Oilers. We'll get more into this series and the next one with Brett Dunkel in a little bit. But WNBA-wise, Indiana Fever won 101-96 last night. Ogwamike, she had 30 points, 10 rebounds. Great performance by her. On the Spark side of things, they got 22 points from Mitchell. Nonetheless, the Fever... Uh, win this game over the Sparks as underdogs. The Seattle Storm won 79-71 versus the New York Liberty. Pretty surprised it took this one going to overtime, but Brianna Stewart had a great game. She had 31 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, and she got 21 points from Jewel Lloyd as well. On the Liberty side, Sabrina Ionescu, once again, pretty inconsistent this year. She said she had 8 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. You had Howard with 19 and 9. Stephanie Dolson and Rebecca Allen had 11 points, but they couldn't pick up the win. This is a very young team that still needs to figure out how to win in the league, and we see why after a performance like this yesterday. 
Now we'll do our quick MLB rundown of how the lines went yesterday. As we keep saying, we're going to get more into these lines once the NBA and NHL playoffs are over. But with a limited show, we don't want to uh, gloss over these too, too quickly. So the Reds win 5-1 to one over the Giants. You had the Yankees win 2 to nothing versus the Rays. The Orioles storm back and win 12-8 to eight versus the Red Sox. I thought that Red Sox game was over. They were up 6 nothing early. I felt like they were on cruise control, but the Orioles come back nonetheless. The Mets win 8-6 to six versus the Phillies. The Braves win 6-4 to four over the Marlins. The Twins win 10-7 to seven over the Royals. The Cardinals 4-2 to two over the Brewers. The Blue Jays 4-3 to three over the Angels. The Dodgers 6-4 to four over the Diamondbacks. The Padres 4-3 to three over the Pirates. The Rangers 8-5 to five over the Athletics. And the Mariners 6-1 to one over the Astros. The Rockies and Nationals got postponed, as did the Guardians and Tigers. So we have an even more loaded slate when it comes to the MLB today, as we're going to have some doubleheaders and a full slate on top of that. Now let's talk quickly about the PGA Tour with the Charles Schwab Challenge. Uh, you got Scotty Scheffler, Bo Hostler, and Scott Stallings. They're all tied for the lead at minus nine entering the weekend. Patrick Reed, he's just one shot back. We posted on Twitter our future bets as well as some round one bets, and we've got some round three ones today as well. So we'll do a quick recap of where those are at. Will Zalatoris winner, he missed the cut. So that's a tough one out of the gate. Uh, we had Sam Burns... T- uh, to win the tournament as well. He's T40. He's going to need to have a big Saturday on moving day in order to move up those standings. Top 10, we've got Victor Hovland, who's currently tied for seventh. That value is plus 225. So we'll hope to cash this one this week. Tony Finau, T40 right now for a top 10. So plus 380 on Finau. He's going to need to make a move as well. Top 20, we have Max Homa. He's T29. So he's right in the thick of things. The odds on that one was plus 140. He played well last week at the PGA. And then Jason Kokrak, he's tied 51st, and he, we need a top 20 out of him, so he's going to need to move today as well in order to cash some of these plays. We did cash a couple, though, in the first round head-to-head bets that we put out on the show a couple days ago. Uh, Sam Burns versus uh, M. Unfortunately, M wins that matchup, so we lost that one. But Jason Kokrak, he beats... Gary Woodland in the first round to pick up the W. The odds on that were minus 124. And Max Homa over Pereira coming off that meltdown at the PGA. We cashed that one at minus 134 as well. Now let's talk around three bets today. We're looking at some guys that are going to look to potentially move today. Patrick Reed minus one and a half versus Scotty Scheffler today. The odds on that are minus 143. The fact that he's only one shot back and we can get a shot on Scheffler to start the day. I really like the odds on this one at minus 143. If he beats him outright, you win. If he loses by one, you still win. I really love the value on this play. So Patrick Reed over Scheffler at minus one and a half. And then you've got Fowler over Burns today. This is an upset at plus 120. I know I've got Burns to win the tournament, but I really like what I've seen from Ricky the last couple of days. I think he's going to have a big Saturday. He loves to to move on these Saturdays and get himself into contention. So I like the upset here at plus 124, Ricky Fowler. And then Scott Stallings over Bo Hostler. This one's a minus 125. They're both co-leaders right now. I like Stallings a lot more moving forward than Hostler. I think he's going to fade a bit today, might even shoot over par today. And I think Stallings is going to be pretty consistent throughout. So those are the three bets that we like today for the Charles Schwab Challenge. 
definitely will be posting those after the show today, but go and get them while you can at Bet99. Use promo code SHOOTERS. And then the last of the daily news from yesterday, the Lakers hired Darvin Ham as their head coach. First of all, I think it's it. this is an honor for him, and it's well-deserved for a guy of his quality. Not only was he a Lakers assistant a number of years ago, he's been an assistant on Budenholzer's staff for a while. He was in Atlanta, and he was in Milwaukee as well. Getting a head coach is one thing if you're the Lakers, but this roster needs to be fixed however you think you can. And they are in a tough spot where there's not a lot of cap room there. They uh, don't really have a lot of room to move. But if you can get Russ's confidence back, because he clearly lost it last year, he was almost jittery shooting the basketball. If you can get his confidence back, if you can get a healthy Anthony Davis, I think you're at minimum a playoff team in the Western Conference last year. If you have that healthy big three, the health is obviously a big question mark, especially when it comes to Anthony Davis. But if you have all those two guys plus LeBron healthy, then I think you're in a good spot moving forward. I think Ham is the right hire. I hope that he doesn't get steamrolled like some of these other coaches do when they get around LeBron. But I think he's he's a guy that's played been around for a long time, and he's clearly earned the respect of a lot of other people. So I do like him to succeed in L.A. Now, big games on the slate today. We don't have any NBA playoffs today. We do have the Champions League final today. It's Liverpool and Real Madrid today. The game's being played in France. Liverpool are even money to win this game. Madrid are plus 240, and the draw is plus 260. Basically, what this means is if it's a draw at the end of regulation, then that's you would cash that plus 260. I think this one does have extra time potential, but it is very tough to bet an extra time game when you've got such high-scoring teams like Liverpool and Real Madrid. Madrid has to feel pretty lucky to be here, given their comebacks against Man City and other teams in order to get to this spot. Liverpool, they just lost the league last week. This is essentially their trophy that they need to win this year to, to call it a successful season. So I do like Liverpool even money to win today. I think I might take that one. Uh, and then I might even look at just to lift the trophy. I've seen that one. It's a little bit juiced around minus 185, but I still like that play as well. So that'll be the Champions League final. Kickoff is at 3 Eastern time today. Definitely give that one a watch before you get into some of the playoff action today. WNBA-wise, you've got the Aces and Sky squaring off tonight. My Vegas Aces, this is a loaded team, whether it's Jackie Young, Kelsey Plum, Aja Wilson, very good team. That's why they're 7-1. and one. They're taking on the Chicago Sky, who are 4-2. and two. They've got Candace Parker, the real CP3, Azura Stevens, and Kaylee Cooper as well. So really do watch this game today, and I'll definitely be tuning in. The Mystics and the Sun face off today, 6-2 and two versus 5-2. and two. You've got Elena Deladon on one side, and you've got Alyssa Thomas on the other. Definitely a couple of great games on the WNBA slate today. NHL-wise, we've got the Rangers and Hurricanes today. Carolina's minus 115 on the road. The over-under is 5.5, but the under is currently minus 140. So Vegas clearly feels this game's going to go under. It's been a very low-scoring series all around. So I think that's a pretty safe bet if you're looking for an over-under play. Keep in mind, the home team has won all five games. You've got Ranta and Shesterkin facing off. And so I am on the Rangers today. And you'll see that later on with our parlay of the day. 
Now let's talk about game lines that we are leaning but waiting on. A lot of these are going a bit later in the day, especially the last two that we're going to give out. But these are games that we're likely going to bet, but we're going to wait closer to first pitch, puck drop, or tip off in whatever order they play today. So first one is Rockies and Nationals. I like the Rockies today over the Nationals. You've got Chad Cool on the mound. He's got a 3.67 ERA. He's taking on Joan Adon, who's just 1-8 on the season. He's got a 6.97 ERA. He's only got 35 Ks and 41 innings pitched. The Rockies are even money today. I know they're on the road. They're also not a great team, but I just think that it's what a half-decent pitcher taking on a bad pitcher, and so I like Colorado, the value today at even money, but we're going to wait a little bit closer just to see how the lines change and if we can get it even at some plus money if the public is on the Nationals. Then we got Phillies and Mets. Uh, Mets are minus 130 today. You've got Eflin going for the Phillies, and you've got Tejon Walker going for the Mets. Two pretty good pitchers, and the fact that the over-under line is at 8.5, I'm hoping that it gets to 9. If it gets to 9, then I'm hammering the under. Might even hammer it at 8.5, but regardless, I like the under in this game. I think it's going to be a 4-2, maybe 5-2 type finish. And then you've got the Pittsburgh Pirates and the San Diego Padres. You got Brubaker going for the Pirates. You've got Musgrove going for the Padres. Padres are minus 245, but the over under is only seven. So it feels like a good spot to bet Pirates plus one and a half at minus 115. Going to wait a little bit closer. It is one that goes later in the day. Hopefully, see this line move up a bit. If it does go even up to seven and a half or eight, then I, I might bet the under as well. But this is why we wait a little bit closer when you've got these eight o'clock games that you definitely want to bet. So player props of the day. These are always posted on our social media accounts. Definitely go and follow us at CompHedgePod for all of those plays. We post them throughout the day periodically. So turn on those notifications as well if you want some winners on the player prop side. Before we took the couple days off, we did have a really good day there. So definitely follow our player prop lines. But now let's get into our competitive lay of the day, our parlay. This is our three-team parlay. No odds worse than minus 150. We're only looking to put out winners here at the Competitive Hedge Podcast. Head over to Bet99 to make your bets. So let's start with Rangers money line versus the Hurricanes. We already said it, minus 105 today. Home teams won every game. Ranta, he looks great at home. He looks okay on the road. This is why we really like Shesterkin at home today. He's been carrying what I would consider an underwhelming Rangers team outside of him and Panarin. He's carrying this group. I think they figure out a way to force a seventh game. Carolina doesn't have that go in and win a road game six to close out a series. They should have closed out Boston a lot earlier than they did. But nonetheless, I think today the Rangers push them to seven at minus 105. I like the Guardians run line versus the Tigers in the first game today. If you're a regular listener, you would know I'm very high on Shane Bieber as a pitcher. I think he's going to have a good day today against the Tigers. The record isn't there, but the pitching quality is. If he gets the run support today, then they're going to blow past this run line. I know that they're on the road, but I like Bieber at plus 115 for the run line. And then the last one, a team that keeps burning me, but I keep going back to the well regardless. Yankees money line versus the Rays today. You've got... Uh, an ace in Garrett Cole taking on a former ace in Corey Kluber. 
Uh, one is rolling. One is a little bit more washed up than the other one. I really like the Yankees today at minus 140. This is a bit of a juice play, but it's definitely uh, within our minus 150 parameters. So the odds on this parlay are plus 620. Uh, we don't have an alt lay play for today. Um, we're going to wait a little bit later on for that alt play. Was definitely looking at the Twins money line and maybe even the over in that game, but we're going to wait and see a little bit closer to that one starting. But with that, let's get into our NHL playoff hockey talk, and we've got a special guest with us today. He's been on the show before. He's a friend of the program. He's the creator of the Bandwagon podcast. He's also the assistant director of football operations for Carthage Football and a contributor for the Off the Ball Network. That is Brett Dunkel. Brett, how you doing today, man? Kenneth, I'm good, man. Uh, happy to be here, as always. You know, always uh, look forward to talk some some hockey here real quick with you on this on this Saturday, man. And, you know, I, I had to look good for my my comeback appearance on the show. You definitely do. I, I like the long sleeve. I think it looks good. Definitely uh, becoming of you. So let's get right into talking some playoff hockey. We've had four series that are going right now. We're right in the swing of the the semifinals in each conference. Some of them are over. We've got the one finishing today. But I wanted to talk about the teams that are moving on as well as where did the teams that lost out in this second round, where do they go from here? So we're going to start with the series that ended the quickest and we're going to go all the way to the one that's still got a game six here today. So we're going to start with that Tampa Bay one. Tampa Bay sweeps Florida for nothing. And we're talking about the President's Cup winners going home. They're going home early. So so what did you make of this series as a whole? Did you think that Florida was just outmatched? Um, I really think that in, in that Toronto series, I think midway through game five, I was like, oh, Tampa, Tampa found their game. They're they're back. And I said to one of my friends who who's a big hockey fan of my head, I'm like, Tampa's going on a run again. He's like, no way. He's like, Florida's Florida's been dominant. Uh, they're they're gonna get them next round. And I said, you watch. I said, if Tampa wins game one, it, it's over. I mean, it's it's just it's gonna happen. And um, I I just think Tampa found their game. And again, I mean, they're they're so talented. I mean, when you talk about Stamkos, Kucherov, they they didn't even have Braden Point for a majority of the series, who you could argue might be their best player. I mean, Hedman, and then. Uh, Vasilevsky to close it out, having 46 saves. I mean, you're, you're talking about just a guy that is on fire right now. And, um, you know, as a, as a guy that doesn't really make a lot of bets, but watches the lines, I mean, you, you are getting Tampa at, at plus money. Like, come on now. Like, uh, what are we, what are we doing? And, and I know Florida's a great team. They're great. But I just think that Tampa, when they're on their game, they're they're tough to beat. I mean, honestly, right now, like, I don't know if anybody beats them. And honestly, I don't know if it's relatively close. I mean, that's how much they're rolling. And without Braden Point, they're good. And with Florida, I mean, again, this is kind of the same position. They lost to Tampa, I think it was last year. Um and, and really, what do they need to do to get over the hump? I think they really need better goaltender play. And 
they need they, they remind me a lot of Kenneth. I know you're a big Cowboys fan, but they remind me a lot of the Cowboys. Oh no. And, and here's why. Yeah. Regular season, uh a lot of a lot of kind of ups and downs, but they have a good record. They finish the season on top. And then there's all these expectations heading into the playoffs, and they play a team that's that's right up there with them, and they just kind of fall apart. And I mean, like, it's I thought this series would be a little bit closer than a four-game sweep. I thought Tampa would win in maybe six. But, I mean, when you look at it, Tampa didn't have Braden Point and still swept them. And when you look at it, I mean, Florida played really good in this series, but it was the little things and the details. Like, um, I think it was game two uh, when Kucherov made the pass to Colton for that game-winning goal. I mean, you have a guy already coming down, charging to, to you know, defend Kucherov, and the, the other guy comes down as well, leaving Colton wide open in front of the goaltender. I mean, it, what it really comes down to for me is execution. Florida didn't execute, and credit Tampa and John Cooper because they executed. And, I mean, really, Florida, um, they got to make some moves because people down there are starting to get antsy because – this is the second year in a row now where they've had home ice over Tampa and have gotten beat. So they're they're getting antsy down there in, in South Florida. But what uh what do you think, Kenneth? So I definitely think Tampa's the favorites moving forward. I didn't have them the favorites coming into the playoffs, and it was only because they drew Toronto in that first round series. I felt like it could go either way. I definitely lean Tampa, especially given Toronto's history, but it's tough to win three straight cups and i know that it's the same group but yeah. the the nhl is different from other sports and i talk about it all the time you run into a hot goalie and then suddenly you're heading home and the big difference is they have the hottest goalie in the nhl and when you look at that florida series they won two games scoring two goals like yeah. they won two one and two nothing florida yeah. scored three goals the entire series and you talked about, you know, midway through game five with that Toronto one, you're like, oh, Tampa's here. And you felt it in game six and even in game seven, especially like outside of the occasional like snipe over to glove side or something like he's not giving you anything right now. And here's the problem. You've got Vasilevsky, who's playing like the best goalie in the league. Once again, he's going to go down as an all timer if he wins three straight cups. You've got no Braden point. But even without point, just look at who they have. Steven Stamkos, Kucherov, Kalorn, Hedman, Paye, Corey Perry's a veteran, Sergachev. Like, this is a deep group that has the best goalie, and they have good defensemen that can score and contribute. And so this is where I, I think that Florida's outmatched. And I don't want to call their season a failure because they finally got over the first round hump. Like, Toronto still hasn't gotten over the first round yeah. hump. Yeah, But that being said, you're the president's trophy winner and you got swept. So there definitely needs to be some thought moving forward because don't forget at the deadline, they went out and got Claude Giroux. Like that was clearly a move of we're going for it. And now you're heading home after four games yeah. in a semifinal. And, you know, you've got Barkov, who's supremely talented and Huberto, two guys that really don't get enough love because of probably the hockey market that they're in. But you've got Reinhardt, Ekblad, 
for Hake, he had a great play playoff for them, especially in that capital series. Bobrovsky, I don't think that he's a bad goalie. I just think he's he's the tier below of Vasilevsky. And it's like Vasilevsky's on a pedestal of his own. And then right below it, you've probably got guys like Shesterkin, uh, maybe Ottinger after the way that he played this postseason, Markstrom. Like there's some good goalies there. And then Bobrovsky's that tier below. And that's what's so tough about the NHL. There's only one Vasilevsky and then a couple Shesterkins out there. And Florida doesn't have one of those guys moving forward. So I do think that they're 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 generally unlucky that they get Tampa once again, but you're gonna have to face them every year the way that the NHL playoff system is set up. Like you have to get through Tampa if you're gonna do it. Well, and I I mean too, it's like the next couple of years, like this team is together for a while. I mean, you, to win the cup, you're going to have to go through Tampa. And one of the points that I always make about the NHL playoffs is you have to have an elite goalie playing elite hockey. And, I mean, look at the last few cup winners or cup dynasties, let's say. Boston, Tuka Rask. Uh, Pittsburgh, Marc-Andre Fleury. I believe he was, he was there during that cup run. Corey Crawford, the Blackhawks. Jonathan Quick, the Kings. Lundqvist uh, won a couple cups. I mean, like... These guys, all that, all five of those guys I mentioned, Hall of Famers without a doubt. I mean, you, I would even throw two Karask in there for Boston, but it's like, you know, you need an elite goalie to win, and it's like, I, I think, I think Florida's goalie is okay, but like, I mean, again, you got to make saves and you got to make stops, and like it, Florida was out shooting Tampa a lot in the series too was another thing that I was going to bring up because it's like, you know, it, it wasn't like he was under fire a whole hell of a lot. I mean, there were stretches where Florida was getting 13 to one shots and Vasilevsky was making the saves. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the issue is that, and in the NHL, you're not getting an elite goalie unless you're no. drafting him, putting him through the system. He spends no. a couple years in the AHL and wherever, and then he moves up. And then he's a, a starter in the league. And Bobrovsky's been a good goalie for a while. He's just not great. And so I think that's the issue that Florida has. They've got some contracts that they need to sort out in the offseason. They have to run it back with this group. Like, there's no blowing it up after a President's Trophy winning year no. by any stretch of the imagination. But they definitely need to make a couple changes because you don't get swept and then just come back the next year with the same group and don't. Like, well, that's what it boils down to. Well, and I mean, to be honest, like... There's no shame in losing to back-to-back Stanley Cup champion and maybe three in a row. I mean, th- this Tampa team is just—it's different, man. It's—it's it's different. They're—they're they're a different animal, and that's why you, I heard it up here from Toronto fans in Canada. Well, you know what? I'm not disappointed because we pushed Tampa to seven, and I think Florida would have preferred that they at least take a game off Tampa. But they get swept, and it's like, okay, they're on another level. We need to elevate our game next year yeah. and come back and really make a push. Well, I mean, like, like I think people saw it in game five, like I brought up. Like, I mean, you could see it. I mean, it, it was obvious to me. And then, you know, sitting there watching that game and then saying, like, okay, this is going seven. And, like, the Lightning have found their game. The Maple Leafs are playing out of their minds, but it's like, it, it's it's just not enough. Like, yeah, and and it's no match top to bottom. Like, like you 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 can't go that like player or two deeper. 
that that these other teams can go because we said it they're missing point and they're still doing this to teams so they're a team that's going to be taking on we'll talk about this series in a bit of carolina and new york but the, the next series i mean edmonton the battle of alberta and I wish I could say that, like, I think it delivered from, like, the five games that were played were yes. so, I mean, game they were one, fun. nine to six. They were like, fun to watch. You have a nine, six game one. But yeah. nonetheless, you've got Edmonton who came in as the underdogs. They win the series in five games. So what are your thoughts on this series as a whole? Do you like Edmonton moving forward? And, and what do you think Calgary should be should be doing this offseason? Yeah, I mean, I think Calgary, I think they they need a big name uh, that can score and defend. They need a good two-way player. Because um, for me on that top line, there's a lot of offense there. I don't think there's a lot of defense there. And you saw it when McDavid and Dryside on them boys were on the ice versus that top line. They, they got exposed. And, I mean, Connor McDavid is one of the best hockey players in America. He's he's different. Uh, Pat Pat Maroon said it on the Pat McAfee show, like, you know, he's, a, he's an underrated star. I mean, not many people are really talking about McDavid right now. And, I mean, he's kind of carrying this team. Really what it comes down to, too, Kenneth, is the goaltender play in this series was awful. And <laughs> what it came down to was Edmonton just had better offensive nights in Calgary. I think that's really what it came down to. Um, but, yeah, for me, I mean, Calgary needs more defense. Um, I thought going into the series, I thought Calgary was going to win because I thought they had the better goalie. I mean, Mike Smith, I mean, if, if, you, can Journeyman. Puck, if you can put pucks to the net on him, he get, he gives it up. You saw it from, like, I think <laughs> one of the one of the Calgary players shot it halfway across the ice and it went in the, went in the goal. And I'm just like, dude, what are, you, what are we doing? But, uh, I, I mean, yeah, Edmonton, I don't like them moving forward only because I think I think Smith, I, I think he's going to have a hard time against Colorado. I mean, realistically, uh, Colorado is a different animal than uh, – Yeah, they're a different animal for sure. They're, they're a different animal than Calgary. And another thing is, too – in, in this series, like, just looking ahead to that is, like, it's really what goaltender doesn't screw up the most because Kemper's not been great. Smith hasn't been great. Um, I think this is going to be a high-goal series coming up here. Uh, I think it'll be similar to this one, and really what I think it comes down to is I think Colorado has more weapons than Edmonton. That's, that's yeah. what I really see. But, I mean – we got five games, and it was entertaining hockey. Um, I don't think you can complain. I think for Calgary, I think I think they're a really good good hockey team. I think they need a, one or two more pieces, and I think they could contend for uh, for a conference title and possibly the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to this series, four out of the five games had like eight goals or more. Like it was so high scoring. You started out with nine six, then you get five three four one five three five four. So very high scoring on both sides. I assume that it would be this way coming in, and I don't think that enough people talked about the fact that Edmonton and Calgary getting pushed to seven in both of those series 
was yeah. kind of exposing the fact that they're not real cup contenders, in my opinion, because you can't have the LA Kings push you to seven and then the Dallas Stars push you to seven when they don't have a McDavid, Dreisaitl, Goudreau type guy on their team. Like they, they leaned heavily on their goalies in both of those series and they broke them at times because they weren't able to yeah. break through. And then I you mean, get Otter, Otter almost won it for Dallas in seven. I mean, he almost won that game for him. Exactly. He's making 50 plus saves. So then you get into this series and it's just like, I understand that both teams are good offensively, but both goalies were horrendous at times. I mean, Mike Smith in game one gave up like two goals in, in the first minute. Like he was pulled almost instantly in game one. And I think that set the tone for the series. When you look at Edmonton moving forward, I don't want to rule them out entirely against Colorado only because Kemper to me has looked equally as bad as Mike Smith has at times. And it hasn't shown because, well, Colorado swept and then they won in six, but you're taking on teams that are missing quality players or in the St. Louis case, Bennington getting hurt and you don't have a goalie also for Nashville. So I think it's looking a lot better than it has been. Kemper hasn't been great. So with McDavid and Dreisaitl, I think they have the potential to, to put a lot on them. Evander Kane showed up in a big way. He had six goals in that series. He had a hat trick in the one game. Yeah. It was kind of funny. And this is why I loved the Battle of Alberta as a whole is that you've got the two communities are within, you know, a couple hours of each other. They're going back and forth with, with one another. And you've got like fans throwing money at Evander Kane because of his off the ice stuff. And like, it was just, it was fun from that perspective. But the key to this series was just the fact that Calgary couldn't hold a lead. I mean, you look at the fact that in game two, they're leading three to one, and then they have four straight scored on them. And that carries over into the next game where they put score four straight on them. Yeah. So they get outscored for a stretch of eight to nothing. And, and that to me was when the series completely changed because it looked yeah. like Calgary's going to win one. You're up three to one. You're going to win game two. You're going to win both at home. And then you're going to go to Edmonton. And if you close out that game too, we have a vastly different series here. Oh yeah. And they just, they, they couldn't close that. They, they blew the lead against Edmonton in game five as well. It was just, they couldn't close out games. Markstrom couldn't make the saves when they needed them. I mean, Calgary still had a good year. They were sixth in the NHL record-wise. They had 111 points. Yeah, Goudreau, he's going to ask for a lot of money. Kachuk's a restricted free agent, so we're going to see whether they can pay po both those guys. They've got some defensemen yeah. that they've got to pay. So, you know, Calgary moving forward, they need to decide whether Markstrom's the guy. And if he is the guy, then you need to put either another defenseman in front of him or, as you said, a two-way forward that can start giving you some some sort of semblance of defense that yeah. you just aren't seeing from that Goudreau line. Well, and I mean, too, kind of, it's like they need they need defense because how do you hold leads by playing good defense? I mean, we saw the perfect example of this was in the uh, Carolina and Boston series. I mean, when one of those teams got a lead, they held it. Why? Good defense. Their forwards are active on defense. Their defensemen are very active. I mean, Boston won a game without Charlie McAvoy yeah. because they have a great depth on defense, and then the forwards were able to stop up. So that's really what it came down to for me. But, 
you know, I'm excited. I think Edmonton versus Colorado will be an offensive series. That's for sure. Oh, for sure. You're going to see from the betting side over under six and a half. Every, take, every take over. Yeah. Because we'll talk now about that Colorado St. Louis series. This one went six games. The series, it felt like it was going to be very close early on because Colorado storms out. They win game one. Game two, though, you get St. Louis four to one. They win. Then they're heading back to their place. And then the Bennington injury happens. And it felt like series just completely changed. And they were very fortunate that the injury happened. You obviously never want to see a guy get hurt. I don't think it was a dirty play. I think it's a guy driving to the net. And unfortunately, a guy gets hurt. But you look at the series, it completely changes after that. And Colorado goes on. They win it in six. They were fortunate to even win it in six because they blew game five. And then six, they look dead in the water. They score five seconds left. Otherwise, we're going to overtime. Potentially, we're looking at a game seven here. So this is where I've, I picked Colorado to win the cup coming in. And I think it was because I felt like Kemper was better than he's played. Yeah. And I don't like him moving forward. And and this is where I think whoever comes out of the West, like their goalie has to wake up because you got Vasilevsky coming on the other side. I don't think that I'm, I I would give Carolina a slight chance of winning. Yeah. I, I don't like New York to, to upset them, but I think you've got Tampa coming on the other side. So Kemper's got to play better. And, and we've obviously seen McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr. They, they had a great series there. So what were your thoughts on the series? What do you think Colorado needs moving forward? And what do you think St. Louis needs to do? Should they run it back? Or is it time to maybe move on from, from where they're at? Oh, I, I think the Blues should run it back for sure. I mean, you saw flashes this year of this team being really good. And then I think injuries in the back end on defense – just just kind of made it really difficult for him. And then when Bennington got hurt, it was just kind of like, all right, this is the final nail in the coffin for this team. They're probably not going to win this series. And, you know, obviously lost in six. I mean, for for Colorado, you have all the offensive pieces. Uh, I think you need some defense, and I think you need a goalie. Um, I just – I don't think Kemper's the answer. And the, the abs are very aggressive when it comes to getting people. Uh, I, w- I would take a shot up there at Minnesota at either Talbot or uh, Marc-Andre Fleury and see what you can do there. Um, one of those guys is probably better than Kemper, veteran, uh, experienced, all the above. But, I mean, Colorado, they're going to probably beat Edmonton, I think. Um, but, I mean, again, like, like you said, I mean, Kemper needs to wake up because they might lose to Edmonton with the way their offense has been rolling in, in, in Edmonton over there with Vander Kane and uh, Drysaddle McDavid. I mean, all the, those boys have been rolling. And, I mean, it'll be really interesting. I wasn't really shocked with this series. I picked Colorado in six. Um, I will say when game one, game one kind of – I was – I was like, okay, this, this might go seven. I, I yeah. said it, and I really believed it. I think if Biddington get, didn't get hurt, this goes seven. I think Colorado still probably wins, but I think it'll. I think it would would have went seven. And I mean, uh, when you talk about McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr, uh, Kadri, I mean, 
McCart. Well, I mean, you, you can just go down the line. I mean, they, these guys are unbelievably talented. Um, and, you know, the better team over a seven-game series wins. Yeah. And that's what I think you saw here. No, definitely. And, I mean, I look at this St. Louis group, and they're not names that are flashy, but they're names that have been around a long time that are veterans. Yeah. Like, we're talking about Perron, Falk, Tarasenko, Bushnevich, Barbashev, O'Reilly, O'Reilly O'Brien. Shen. Like, this is a this is a team built of veterans around a guy in Jordan Bennington who we have seen take them on a cup run and get it done. They're going to have to let Huso go this offseason, I think. I mean, you he's a free agent. They owe Bennington $6 million a year for the next five years. You're not going to be able to pay Huso because the team's going to want to pay them. This is also what frustrated me, though, about Calgary or uh, about Colorado is that last summer they could have kept Grubauer as their goalie who played well and instead let him just walk and go to Seattle. And I find you, you see it in the NHL sometimes where there's these goalies in these bad teams and you're like, man, this goalie sucks. And it's like, well, is it the team in front of them that sucks? And Rant is a good example for Carolina. He was in Arizona last year and I was like, man, I'm really like I had him in fantasy hockey. I'm really starting Ranta today. Like this is tough. Like he's no good. You see him go to Carolina. Suddenly you're like, oh, this guy can play. You put a couple defensemen in front of him and suddenly he's he's a good player. And that's where it's tough when you look at Colorado's goaltending situation of you look in the regular season and you're like, oh, Kemper's a good goalie. You look at his you look at his record and he's he's a good goalie. And it's like. Or is it the fact that he has all these guys in front of him, right? right? So I think that's that's my concern with Colorado moving forward is I think Edmonton could beat them because Kemper just isn't what we thought that he was in the regular season. Yeah. And so that would be my concern with them. When we do talk about the last series, which is going today, you, you would have heard earlier, I, I picked New York to win game six. Um, home teams won all five yeah. games of this series. Yeah. Now, do you think New York wins tonight? Do you think Carolina closes it out? Or if it does go to seven, does Carolina then close it out in seven at home? What are your thoughts on this series? See, I mean, I, I'm with you tonight. I like Rangers. I would take a money line. Uh, Carolina, to me, does not scream like a team like the Blackhawks or the Bruins or the Kings or the Penguins or even Tampa or you know a team like that where – you know, they could go in on the road and close out a series. That I don't get that vibe from this Carolina team. I think they do it on home milestone in game seven. Um, but you know, ideally, I think tonight the Rangers win probably by a goal or two, and then we go to game seven. And I mean, honestly, I think this is just the home team. I mean, this is what it comes down to. Igor's really good at home. Um, a little bit shakier on the road, um, and same with Ranta, the uh, the Carolina goalie right now. So, I mean, this this Carolina team is very good, very talented. Uh, the Rangers, I think, I agree with you. They've been underwhelming. I thought if Sid didn't get hurt, I think Pittsburgh would have beat them pretty pretty handily in probably five or six. Um, and so they they should be thankful to be here and be in this position. But I like Carolina in seven. But I'm I'm all with you on tonight. I like uh, Rangers money line in the under. Those that that's what I would throw my best yeah. on tonight. 
Yeah, I do think that we're looking at like 3-1, 3-2 at worst here yeah. um, is the final tonight for this one. Um, Carolina moving forward, um, I do think that they would give – I do think that they would give uh, Tampa a run. I don't think that they're going to beat Tampa outright. Like I could see them pushing them to six because I do like Aho. I like Teravainen. I like Nearrider. It, it, it is a veteran group that they're starting to build here in Carolina. Yeah. And the way that Ranta plays at home, especially. And as far as I know, they would have home ice if they were in a series with Tampa. So if you get that situation where you have home ice, you can maybe jump out to a little bit of a lead on them. Yeah, they would have home ice on them. So you jump out to a little bit of a lead on them. Carolina has yet to lose at home in the postseason. If they win in seven, then that would continue. They'd be 8-0 at home in the postseason. They got a great crowd there. You maybe win game one. I think Tampa wins game two. And then you maybe win game five to push it a couple games. But Tampa is on another level. That's what I was going to ask to close out the show is who do you have winning the cup? Right now, I've got Tampa, and I think it's going to be Colorado on the other side. I do think that Colorado is just going to be a bit outmatched goaltending-wise, yeah. and I yeah. think that's the key. I look at I look at the forward and defensive cores of both of those teams, and to me, it's a wash. But then you get down to the goaltending, and, that, and that's the separator in a series there. So uh, who do you think wins the cup uh, overall? Uh, Tampa, and and I don't I don't think it's close. I think Tampa beats Carolina in five. I think Carolina probably wins game one, and then Tampa rips off four straight. I mean, Vassy's playing at another level. Um, Tampa, to me too, is a team that can go into really any environment, and I think they could handle it because of all that championship experience. And I mean. I like I like Colorado on the other side. I think that'll go a little bit longer, six or seven. Um, but then what I really think it comes down to is Vasilevsky is much better goalie than Kemper. So give me Tampa in Tampa and six over Colorado, Kenneth. I like it. Well, Brett, I appreciate you coming on, man. Dunkel, it's always a pleasure Thank having you. you on here. Uh promote your stuff. Where where's your work and what have you got that you're uh, working on? Yeah, so uh, obviously been swamped with football uh, with with the whole recruiting season and all that, but we're back on the podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking about some uh, NBA playoffs, NHL stuff coming soon as well. Uh, We'll be diving into NFL, getting early predictions out there as well. Uh, You can find me on YouTube at The Bandwagon Podcast. We changed the name because, you know, it fits fits a little better. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach B Dunks uh, for all things sports and football talk, stuff like that. Make sure to go check out Off the Ball Network. And, you know, Kenneth, it's always a pleasure, man, to uh, jump on with you, talk for about 50 minutes. It's always a great Saturday when you get to talk to Kenneth. Uh, But keep grinding, bro. You're doing a great job. I love your shit. I always watch it all the time. So keep it up, man. Appreciate it, brother. Yeah. We'll be live again tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll probably be breaking down that game seven in the NBA and uh, maybe talk some Champions League as well. We'll have to wait and see. We got a guest lined up for tomorrow. But to everyone who tunes into the live show every day, we appreciate you. Go follow us uh, on all of our social platforms at Pod. 
and also uh, give us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple. And we'll see you guys tomorrow for the Competitive Hedge podcast.